Hola mi gente, welcome to Creeptober episode 4. Today, Lore is giving us some chilling updates and talking about some creepy painful ways to die according to scientists. Then, we will have listener stories that will chill you to the bone. So come join in, if you dare. Hola mi gente, bienvenidos. I'm your host Lore, and this is Creepy Chisme. Some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola mi gente, it's your girl Lore here with another episode of Cryptober. Ooh. <laughs> How have y'all been liking Cryptober? It's been so much fun meeting all, like not meeting, but like talking to some new followers and getting their input and then old followers and uh, you guys are so nice. You really are. If you haven't yet, you need to go follow my creepy buddies at Stoner Buddies. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll definitely find them on there. I've been reposting a lot of their stuff, but my episode with them comes out on Friday, October 27th, and I'm excited because we talked my favorite serial killers. Oh, yes. And um, yeah, it was just a good conversation. So definitely go check that out and be sure to check out their other episodes. They interviewed the paranormal putas. That was a good one. I was driving in the dark and they were talking about like La Lechuza. And um, if you don't know, La Lechuza is a type of witch, I guess, um, that transforms into some type of owl, like half woman, half owl. It's crazy. You should look up the legend. I think I've talked about it before, but uh, yeah, I was driving in the dark listening to that and y'all definitely scared me. <laughs> and then they had the lovely Stevie who I had on at the start of Creeptober and they talked more about the Warrens and it was a good conversation too. So be sure to check that one out. And then I'm on this Friday, October 27th. So give them a follow, leave them a comment, tell them you're from Creepy Chisme. Tell them you're one of Lore's gente. Share some love. Also, keep your eyes open for another posting. I did a special interview with someone else, and that should be coming out very soon, too. We are nearing my favorite holiday, Halloween. Oh, yes. Just a few days, less than a week. I am super excited. I love Halloween. I've got my candy. I've got my costume. I'm ready. Now, I do want to let y'all know that my Creeptober episode for next week is actually going to come out on Halloween. I know I've been posting every Wednesday, but I want you guys to wake up to some creepy chisme. So be sure to be on the lookout for that one. But today, we're taking it old school. And no, there's no special guest today. Your special guest is me. <laughs> And I hope that's okay. Let's take it back a little, y'all, and get into some updates. 
I know, it's been a while. It's time for an update or story I've recently heard. Forty-two years ago in Arkansas, two fatal stabbings occurred and went unsolved for all this time. 14-year-old Karen Alexander and her 13-year-old brother Gordon were found in their home by their father. Weldon Alexander reported that he returned from work on April 8, 1981, around 7.15 a.m. He said the front door was slightly open. When he walked into the home, he found Gordon dead on the kitchen floor. He told police that arrived to the scene that his daughter was on her bed and might have still been alive. He also told police that he found and removed a butter knife from her body and put it on a nearby shelf. Karen was alive and spent the next few days in a coma. She did eventually pass away, though. Apparently during this, the mother was at a nearby hospital being treated for mental illness. The case went cold until 1993, when Harry Lee Lucas, a serial killer known as the Confession Killer, claimed that he was responsible for these two murders. But due to no evidence, he was never charged. The case stood cold until it was reopened in 2022 and DNA samples were tested and submitted to the DNA indexing system. DNA came from under both victims' fingernails, where traces of copper, zinc, and fibers, as well as other materials that are often used at their father's workplace, were found. But the biggest clue was Weldon's semen was found on Karen's bed covers. It was later revealed that police did document that 14-year-old Karen had been sexually assaulted somewhere between 48 to 72 hours before her death. The investigator believes that Karen had been assaulted up to six months prior. Police now believe the two kids were stabbed to death around 11 p.m. the night of April 7th. This was just before Weldon went to work. The weapon was considered a weapon of opportunity, meaning he grabbed the nearest thing to him which was the butter knife. The case was presented to the courts as a probable cause affidavit, stating that Weldon Alexander was the sole suspect. However, Weldon passed away in 2014, but the family now has answers and can put their worries aside. It's still very tragic though. They say the motive was insurance money and the asshole lived out his life free. Wow. Imagine being that family and finding out, like, your uncle, your cousin, whoever murdered their children and you, like, mourned with them, lived the rest of their life with them. Like, that's insane. That would mess me up mentally. It makes me think of all the cases from as far back as we can go, right? How many of them could be solved if we just reopen and test DNA. So crazy. The next article that caught my attention in the past few weeks was that of a 24-year-old man who was sentenced for the brutal killing of 29-year-old Angela Bradbury. Nathan Gilmore was sentenced to 50 years after pleading guilty to second-degree murder. Angela was reported missing by her family on February 1st, 2022. It was said that nobody had seen her since April 6th, 2021. What the hell? <laughs> a whole year almost, and 
they just reported her missing. Mm -mm. A body had been found, though, in July of 2021 at the Green Belt Trail. In March of 2022, police identified the body to be Angela Bradbury. They quickly found Nathan Gilmore and arrested him shortly after the body was identified. So on the evening of July, a young woman was walking on the Green Belt Trail when she saw what looked to be a human skull sitting on a stick that was inserted into the ground. Through DNA, tests showed it belonged to a female. Using Bradbury's family's DNA samples is how they came to figure out it was Angela's remains. Science is amazing, which is very fitting for our topic today. Now, eventually, police also figured out that some other human remains found around the same trail, around the same time that the skull was found, also belonged to the missing woman. They concluded that she died by homicide. Nathan Gilmore was the last person that Angela was seen with in public. When he spoke to police, he knew details not released to the public, and when questioned, he claimed he read information online. He then confessed to picking up Angela, but then changed his story again. However, GPS data shows that Nathan Gilmore was near the Greenbelt Trail the night she would have been murdered. When the suspect's home was searched, investigators found a drawing that showed a goat's head in the shape of a pentagram with blood spatters drawn on it. Next to the drawing, Nathan Gilmer wrote 04-06. He also wrote 0590. He also wrote 4.3-92.8. They believe that 04-06 referenced the date that Angela was taken. 0590 is an acronym from Urban Dictionary, meaning someone is tired of living, and the last set of numbers are coordinates for the Greenbelt River Trail Park, where they found some of her remains. So yeah, so they ended up thinking that it was some type of like ritualistic killing, which is wild. I want to know how long was that skull that was penetrated sitting on the trail, you know? For it to be a complete skull, unless he did it after the fact, like after it had already been cleaned or whatever. Yeah, that's, imagine. <laughs> if I would find that, I would not even think twice that it was real. I would just be like, somebody put a Halloween decoration there, you know? So yeah, just a few updates there to get into. So like I mentioned before, this article I found caught my attention. It was titled, the most painful ways to die according to science. I love science. <laughs> lately, let me tell you something. Lately, I have been obsessed with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, I've always been obsessed with him, especially from the show Cosmos. Loved it. But uh, he recently did an episode, and I'm not sure of the podcast name. It was Steve-O from Jackass. He has a podcast and he had Neil on there. <laughs> Look at me saying his first name like we're on <laughs> first name basis. Ugh, I wish. Anyway, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He had him on as a guest and that episode just blew my mind. Every time this man talks, I'm telling you, I guess what I've discovered recently is I am super attracted to intelligence. Because Neil deGrasse Tyson is not my cup of tea, like not my type, not the type I go for. 
but hearing him just talk and spew knowledge. Have you ever heard this man in an interview? If you haven't and you love science, just go look him up. He just has so much. It's almost like me when I have something to talk about that's like creepy or spooky. I just want to get it out and, and I like spew a bunch of different things because I'm so excited to tell you that's him every time he does an interview and it's just like your mind is blown all right uh, I'm sorry I'm this is <laughs> do you see what I mean I'm obsessed I'm obsessed with him so now um since I've listened to that podcast I've been listening to any podcast who has interviewed him he also has his own it's okay it's a little too I don't want to say boring but you know how science can get a little too, I'm not smart enough for it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like when he does interviews with like not scientists, he kind of dumbs it down a little for people like me. Um, and I feel like his podcast is a little too much for my little brain to handle. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so I love science, okay? I love it. Um, so of course, you know, we're all curious about death. It's a very morbid topic, a very taboo topic. But somebody said recently that we're all going to die, hopefully in a nice peaceful way and not like one of the ones I'm going to talk about today, but it's going to happen. I'm sorry to ruin your day, you guys, but you're going to die. Everyone's going to die, okay? And I know people hate talking about it, but that's life. That's the reality. We all have to go through it. Like, you ain't skipping out on that step. It's not happening. But I get it. It's the fear of the unknown, right? So maybe this will help some of y'all come to peace with it, come to terms with it, because you're not skipping out. <gasps> what is that? Oh my God. What was that? So as I'm recording, has anybody ever got a call from a number one, 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 one? <gasps> One. Wait, let me count the ones. Oh my god. What the hell? What does that mean? And it only rang for like a second. Terrifying. I'm telling you, it's spooky season. Your girl is jumpy as ever. And some strange things have been happening, but I'm gonna save that for the Halloween special. And they left a voicemail? What the hell? Okay, now hold on. I need to hear the voicemail. Oh lord. It's bank fraud. But not from me. Well, there you go, you guys. If anybody calls you from one 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 one. Don't answer it. All right, <laughs> back to what we were talking about. Anyway, so most deaths are thought to be painless due to the fact that during the actual active dying stage, people are so out of it. You're so out of it that you already probably don't even know what the fuck is happening and you can't really feel anything. But also, we theorize that death is painless because those of us who have watched a loved one pass we usually say that they seem to relax and be at peace, right? Oh, they look so peaceful though. But that's only a slow death where the body and brain shut down in an orderly fashion, what we would call a natural death, like an old age. But scientists have found not all deaths are peaceful. Now, because the topic is death, whether it's scientist or not, no matter how many studies they do or can do, we will never truly know, right? These come from theories 
from people who have had near-death experiences with these topics or because it's science, it's just all theory based on pain receptors, nerve receptors, and the science of knowing what will happen, but we don't know how it feels. We can only theorize. So let me make this clear. This is definitely chisme, guys. This is not fact. Nobody knows until you're actually going through it. And I think that's why death is so scary for a lot of us. I've always said, I don't think I fear death. Not at all. Because the life I've been given, the life I've had to go through, it can't be worse. It could be. It could always be worse. Let me take that back. It could, it could always be worse. But maybe because I'm older, I think this way, but kind of like I see it as like either redo, <laughs> hopefully, redo, or I'm just not going to remember a damn thing. And that's sad, but who cares? You won't remember anything anyway. <laughs> what was that? I'm telling y'all, the spooks are around me. <laughs> so if you hear some weird noises, just know it's spooky season. They're following you, girl. All right, let's start with the first one. Let's take it way on back. So the first is crucifixion. Let's talk about crucifixion. Now, thank Jesus, we don't do this anymore. No pun intended. Now, even before Jesus, though, this practice was used to punish people as far back as the 6th century BC. Now, many would assume that because it's just four little wounds and hanging on a cross, it's not too bad. But according to scientists, it's possibly the most painful. Why is it so painful? Well, they use the word excruciating, as you'll see with many of these deaths. But they say that crucifixion is excruciating in terms of pain. So first, everybody says the nails went through your palms. But most times, it wasn't the palms, it was actually the wrists. Now this would have felt like, quote, lightning going through your middle and ring fingers because in your wrist there's a nerve there your hands would contract in agony same for your feet and because of the pain and agony that you're experiencing your breathing would become hard each breath every breath you would feel a painful shock shoot through your body not to mention after a few hours of hanging there, all the insects and bugs that would be on you in and around your wrists and feet. So around the wounds, the flies, the, I can't imagine, terrifying. So yes, this is the first most painful way to die. I'm glad we don't do this anymore. Maybe this is a topic I wanna explore in the future, but humans are awful, awful people, okay? Back in the day, they loved to torture. They loved it. And I'm talking like brutally torture, like crucifixion. All right, number two, we have drowning. Now, it's funny because the other day I heard somebody say that drowning has to be one of the most peaceful ways to die, right? You're gonna die quickly, you're in the water, it's quiet. I mean, that's terrifying for me because y'all know I have the last phobia, but <laughs> yes, actually scientists say no, 
it's actually the opposite. It's actually very painful. According to Medical Daily, when someone is struggling in the water, we tend to thrash and hyperventilate. So we breathe in a lot of water rather quickly. This causes what is known as laryngospasm. Laryngospasm? Spasm? I don't know, but it's pretty much your vo your vocal cord spasms out. And once the water gets into your lungs, it's a searing pain that lasts way long after you even get out of the water. Running out of air and not being able to breathe is true agony and terrifying for someone who's claustrophobic. However, once you are out of oxygen, you'll most likely pass out, making the whole rest of the drowning process peaceful. So I think that's where people get the peaceful part from, but before you get there, <laughs> not so peaceful, y'all. I will say though, although terrifying, it does sound quick and painful for just like a short amount of time. I mean, I can only hold my breath for like 30 seconds. So it would be 30 seconds to a minute of brutal pain. And then you lose consciousness and your body shuts down. This next one is one that many argue and a lot of states have stopped using because it too is pretty awful. Lethal injection. Now, the reason a lot of states have banned this form of execution is because it's not as quick as you think. Now, I'll be honest, I always thought lethal injection was you give them a shot and they slowly fall asleep. And I only ever thought of this because I've had a few pets that I've seen them euthanize, and I assume that's what they did to prisoners too. But that's not what happens actually. It's actually pretty long and painful. Originally, there were these three injections given. A barbiturate, <laughs> I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> a barbiturate, an anesthetic to make them unconscious and numb, and then a muscle relaxant that paralyzes them. If done correctly, which is very hard to do, the person would be dead in about five minutes with little pain. Today though, a few states that use this technique still, they only give a single injection, and most of those injections have not even been tested. These injections, even when done correctly, can last anywhere from 14 minutes of pain and horror up to two hours. That's crazy. Now, reports claim that lethal injections cause pure agony and a sensation of drowning. Most autopsies for those who die with lethal injection show that they do have fluid and blood in their lungs. The pain caused by this is known to be very severe. Most of the drugs used today cause sleepiness, but they don't really numb or stop pain. Those who have witnessed a death by lethal injection say that the victim shows signs of agony. I'm not going to give my opinion on lethal injection or execution of any type in the prison system, but if somebody brutally, brutally murdered somebody I love, without a doubt, somebody saw them do it, somebody knows for a fact 100% that they did it. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think I would enjoy seeing them in a little bit of agony. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I'll say about that. 
Now on the topic of execution, let's talk about the about the old form of execution, electrocution, right? The electric chair. Now, not just the electric chair, but like electrocution in general, scientists say is one of the most horrific ways to not only get hurt, but to die by. The voltage courses through your veins, causing your muscles to seize, which can then cause bones to break or fracture. Your tissues in the body can swell painfully, leaving the skin to crack and split as the tissue swells even more. Even worse than that, the pressure is so bad that your eyeballs can actually pop out completely, and in some cases, your entire body can just catch fire. I have only been electrocuted once, and it was so random. <laughs> My dad had like this really old, long extension cord in our basement. I don't even know what it was connected into, and I wanted to roll it up. So I'm rolling it up, rolling it up, and like... If you've ever rolled up an extension cord, you know, you're pulling it through your fingers and your hands. And I guess from where I had just disconnected it, like the first part of the, the cord that I pulled through my hand, I guess it had a split in it. And so when I grazed it with my hand, I can't even explain it. It felt like somebody shot me in the hand and it shot up my arm, like all the way up to my shoulder. It was so quick, it was like two seconds, but it hurt and it hurt after. And I remember I dropped the cord cause I'm like, oh my God, did I just get electrocuted? Complete silence. I just walked to my room cause my room was in the basement at the time. I sat on my bed and I was like in a daze. I was like, did I just get electrocuted? That hurt so bad. That was a tiny little split in a cord. I can't imagine a full electrocution all over your body. I can't. I, uh, uh, my body gets tense just thinking about it. But in 1987, a man who was electrocuted had flames shooting from his head. One man who survived a bad electrocution said the pain was so awful, agonizing, and well after the incident he still had to take heavy-duty pain medication just to not hurt so bad. They claim that most victims who die from this suffer cardiac injuries, which makes sense. Another most painful way to die is burning to death. I have a personal story I'll share after this, but... Burning is definitely one of the worst ways to die, in my opinion, and I've always told myself if I ever get burned severely, I hope it's just all of me and I don't survive. I could not live through the healing process at all. I fucking cry when I get an oil splat. I do. I, I hate it. I can't imagine like a larger part of my body in pain with a burn. Also, the nurses who take care of burn victims, props to you, my lord. All nurses really, but damn, I, ugh, I can't. I can't imagine that. So according to the forensic pathologist of thermal injuries, people who burn to death first see their skin turn black and then it starts to split, revealing the tissue under the skin. And while this is happening, you are choking from the smoke and soot flying all around. Then, due to the pain, 
all the muscles just seize up and every breath they take is a burning sensation. The worst pain happens though when the flames first hit the body. Eventually, enough tissue gets damaged and the nerves are destroyed, so the pain subsides. But it doesn't go away because it starts over on the next layer of tissue. Along with this, it's also mentioned that even worse and more painful is dying in a pyroclastic flow, hot lava. Now, lava flows can reach temperatures of 1,830 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes, you would die almost as instantaneously, but in that short time, your entire body would be cooked through. Your whole body would also contract into what they call a pugilistic pose as it is slammed into rigor mortis. Not to mention your brain would boil in your skull and completely shatter. I told y'all this conversation was going to get really morbid. Um, so yeah, I have a personal story. Um, when I was growing up, there was a neighbor that we had behind us. And it was a husband, a wife, and I think they had three kids. I know there was two girls and then a little boy. The little boy was only two, three, maybe. I think three because he was in school. So what happened was the mother and father were having marital problems. And on top of all of that, the mother, I think, was suffering from mental illness, which I truly believe she was. One day, I guess the father did something or was out late, didn't come home, something like that. And she tried to burn her young child, the little boy. She tried to burn him. And he did. He did burn I never forget that because I was a kid and the one of the girls was my friend. Uh, not a close friend, but like I remember seeing her little brother. The mother ended up going to prison. I'm sure she's out because this was years ago, years, years, years ago. But he survived. The little boy survived. He has to be at least in his 20s now, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, that's definitely a story that I've never shared with a lot of people but it's a story that traumatized me as a child and also one of my first burn victims that I've ever seen. Yeah, it was very terrifying. The next most painful way to die, according to science, is sudden decompression. The words used to describe this is explosive and very painful. This is why I don't and never would dive in the ocean or any water that goes deep. Decompression sickness, also known as the bends, is terrifying. This happens at low depths. So divers, they have to breathe compressed air that has many molecules of oxygen and nitrogen. Under pressure, it's okay to breathe this. And if you rise too fast, the nitrogen that has accumulated expands and forms bubbles. These bubbles cause severe pain damage to tissue and muscles, and even death. One near-death survivor explained how every gulp of oxygen felt like torture. I also think this is what those men that died in that contraption that went down to the Titanic. Titanic? Who am I? <laughs> the Titanic. Um, I think they died of this before the contraption 
decompress. Like imagine like a pop can, a soda can, sorry, a soda can and then squeeze it. I think that's what happened, but I have a feeling that they already had died. Our next most painful way to die, radiation sickness. Now this is known as the silent killer. No, that's blood pressure, right? <laughs> uh, this is known as the invisible agony. Sorry, <laughs> I wrote this these notes a while ago, so <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Now radiation is so scary. Now you can be fully surrounded by it and you don't even know until your body starts to painfully break down. ARS or acute radiation syndrome that involves gamma radiation means high energy photons penetrate your body. This damages tissue and genetic material. This causes a number of health problems, bone marrow damage, loss of immunity response, damage to the intestines leading to dehydration, infection, and eventually a collapse to the circulatory system. Of course, we've heard of stories like Chernobyl, but this can happen other ways too. A man in 2007 who was undergoing a treatment for tongue cancer was accidentally exposed to errant beams of radiation. He ended up suffering deafness, blindness, loss of teeth, loss of the ability to swallow, ulcers in his mouth, throat, and severe pain in his mouth as well. Ouch. And that was just by mistake. People that have cancer, it's a gamble when you're doing chemo and radiation and all of that. It's almost like you have to choose. Do I die of cancer and let it overtake my body? Or do I try this very dangerous procedure and end up like this man who ruined his mouth and is probably in more pain than he ever could have been with cancer? It's, ugh, it's, it's a thought that I think of all the time and I always tell my family if I've I am ever diagnosed with cancer, God forbid, I'm not doing chemo, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> if that's the way I'm supposed to go, then that's the way I'm supposed to go. And speaking of cancer, we have one of the most painful cancers, pancreatic cancer. Cancer is painful, period. It damages your body, but medical experts say that pancreatic cancer is one of the deadliest and most painful. This is because it aggressively invades the area near the pancreas, pushing up against nerves. So patients experience severe abdominal and back pain. Then on top of all of that, it can lead to intestinal blockages that add to the suffering. Pancreatic cancer is also hard to diagnose. 80% of tumors aren't really known until they are already too big and causing a lot of pain. It's hard to pinpoint what's causing the pain because sometimes the pain is in a distant part of the body. Now, I don't wanna give away too much information, but we're talking about pain here. And someone very dear to me recently had a scare with pancreatic cancer. And when I read up on it, I too was scared for them because, I mean, I love this person very much. But the way they found out was because one of their symptoms was severe pain. And the pain was so severe that it caused them to faint and black out. It was very scary. But luckily, the power of prayer, I'm telling you, the power of prayer works, guys. They are now cancer-free and on the mend. Because this type of cancer is very fatal. Like I said, they only find those tumors when they're already too big and growing everywhere. So that's terrifying. Another painful way to go is freezing to death. We've all said this before, right? Oh, I'm freezing to death. 
you're not because it's very, very painful. This is a long and painful death. First, you get so cold you have uncontrollable and painful body shakes. This is your body's last attempt to try and save itself. Shaking generates heat, in case y'all didn't know that. <laughs> then after that, your muscles get stiff. Then as your body slowly shuts down little by little, you become very disoriented and confused. Your body temperature drops, and because of this, the body starts to pool circulating blood from your extremities to keep your vital organs warm. So that would mean that your hands and your feet begin to have severe pain because there's no blood flow in them. That's why frostbite usually starts on your toes and fingers, which is painful all on its own. They say you feel a burning sensation when that happens. Eventually, you'll lose feeling in your hands and feet and more. Once your body goes numb though, then you'll feel less pain. The brain then kind of panics and sends out confusing thoughts. This is called paradox undressing, which by definition is when someone suffers severe hypothermia and they take off their clothes, sometimes even trying to burrow themselves deep into the snow all while naked. So this is kind of like your brain is just not working correctly. It's just something that happens. And I've heard a couple stories about this. I think I've talked about one. Uh, I would think that freezing to death is a very long and slow process. But hopefully you would be so out of it that you don't really feel what you're feeling. You know what I mean? Then there's the good old heart attack known as the silent killer. <laughs> I knew it was in here somewhere. Now, this is probably one of the most common ways that we hear people pass from. We've learned that there are some symptoms beforehand that scientists claim are pretty painful, the first of which is extreme chest pain. Most people describe it as a full-grown elephant sitting on their chest. So pretty much like your chest is gonna explode. Also, think of like the worst heartburn you've ever experienced in your life and then times that by 10. You also suffer from severe pain in your arms, your upper back, your soul, your, <laughs> your shoulders, or your jaw. It's just pain all around, a horrible way to go. Of course, there are other painful ways to die, but scientists claim through research these are some of the most excruciating ways to pass on. I'm a little surprised that we don't have starvation on here. I think that should be in the top three at the least. Or suffocation. Strangulation. I don't know. Lots of scary ways to die. But I think the scariest part is not knowing how we are going to die. I've always said, I hope my death is quick. I'm sure it will hurt for some amount of time, but hopefully just not too long, right? I hope I didn't give anyone too much anxiety. I mean, this is a morbid topic, but it has to be said and talked about. None of us, scientists included, actually know what death feels like until it's our time. I hope it's nothing more than what happens when we fall asleep. That was pretty quick, mi gente, but that's not all I have for you today. Now we get into some of my listener stories. And let me tell you, 
These scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I recently posted and finally got some writing in from TikTok. So here are five. I think I have five stories for you. And let me just say, y'all are some good writers. You definitely know how to tell a story. So let's get right into them. I don't know if this story happened, but it's been told a number of times in our family. My great-grandma was diagnosed with lung cancer at the age of 64. By the time doctors found it, it had spread to other parts of her body. Her last year of life was spent in pain, and she was on a lot of medication. In her last four months of life, my aunts and uncles would take turns visiting and checking in on her at the hospital. The doctors told the family it would be any day now. In her last few weeks of life, she was so out of it from whatever medication they were giving her for pain and who even knows what. My aunt said that when she would enter the hospital room, my Gigi would be rambling on and on. She'd ask who she was talking to, and Gigi would say, Eloise. My other aunts and uncles all had the same experience. She even pointed to one of the corners in the room and said, Eloise, she's standing right there. I'm not certain if my family knew then, but I've heard that when people are near death, they hallucinate or see relatives that have already passed on. Call it whatever you want. But our family didn't have an Eloise that we knew of. My aunt blamed all the medicine that made my Gigi say odd things. In her last week, the nurses also spoke to the family about the mysterious Eloise. Gigi was constantly talking to Eloise. On her last night of life, my aunts and uncle were called to her room. She had fallen into a coma-like state, and her breathing had slowed. While in the room together, my Gigi woke up and said, Don't cry for me. Eloise is coming too. She spoke a few more words and fell back asleep. Forty minutes later, she passed. After my family said their goodbyes, they walked out together. When they got to the end of the hall, one of my aunts stopped to use the bathroom. While the others waited, someone noticed the folder that was outside one of the hospital rooms. The door was open, but no one was inside. On the folder it read, Eloise Harper. My uncle asked a nurse walking by where the patient in that room was. The nurse replied, I'm not supposed to give patient information, but unfortunately, after two months, Mrs. Harper passed earlier tonight. My aunts and uncles thought this was no coincidence. Could this woman have been visiting my great-grandmother? And did she end her suffering by accompanying her to the next world? My family always shares this story. And if it's true, or just coincidence, I hope my Gigi is no longer suffering and at peace. Oh, and also, fuck cancer. Hello! My family just moved into a new house down in St. Louis, Missouri. It's a new build, and we've been here about six months. I think it was about a month in when strange occurrences began. It started with little things that could well be labeled as forgetfulness. Doors being closed when I know they were not. Cupboards being open, stuff like that. It didn't bother me much until recently, when my four-year-old daughter has been telling me her new friend isn't nice to her. I know kids make stuff up all the time, but I truly believe her. 
I always hear her talking to someone, and at night, she no longer wants to sleep in her room. I'm afraid things will continuously get worse. For now, I'll keep my daughter close to me. She says her friend is afraid of me. Last year, for my 28th birthday, my creepy friend and I booked a stay at a haunted bed and breakfast down in New Orleans. The room we stayed in was so nice and cozy. We spent most of the night watching scary movies and eating junk food. Between the two of us, we finished a bottle of wine, but I promise you, we were not drunk. Throughout the night, we kept hearing the door open and close a few times in the room next to us. But guests were coming and going earlier, so there was nothing strange about it. After major girl talk, we crashed around 3.30 a.m. We were awakened at 5 to the neighboring room's door slamming, then again around 6.30. I couldn't get back to sleep, and around 8 o'clock, I gave up and decided to wake up and get ready for complimentary breakfast. I decided to shower, and as I did, I could hear the neighbors talking, laughing, and joking around. I found it odd since they had been in and out all night. By 9 o'clock, I made it down to breakfast and sat with a few others. Of course, the question everyone had was, did you experience anything paranormal? The owner of the inn joined us, and I mentioned that I was a bit bummed that nothing happened. We talked a bit more, and I expressed how tired I was, not having had enough sleep. She asked why I couldn't sleep, and I told her, besides staying up late, the neighbors kept coming and going all night into the morning. She stared at me and said, on the left side of your room? I said, no, on the right side. She gasped and told me that nobody stays in that room anymore because guests say that they're bothered through the night. Noises, voices, strange knocks on the door. Most of the guests end up leaving early. I was frozen with confusion. I told her there's no way I heard them hanging out in there this morning. She shook her head and said, well, I guess you did experience something after all. I ran up to get my friend. We packed up and left an hour later. I think it's cool now that I think about it, but in the moment, I was definitely freaked out. I had an uncle who used to live near a wooded area. He has stories galore, Lore. Strange lights, weird noises, and strange screams. Once it would get dark, he refused to go outside. The story I never forget was one night, it was a very bad storm. Some trees fell and the power went out, making it even darker than it already was. My uncle went to the back door to see if any trees or branches fell in the yard. When he looked out the window, he saw a large black mound laying in the grass. He could not make out what it was, but then the black mound stood up on two legs and spread two giant wings and it flew into the tree line. He doesn't know what he saw that night, but he does not trust these woods anymore. He ended up moving away a few years ago and made sure the woods were nowhere near his new home. My first thought was Mothman, so I knew you'd appreciate the story. Lore, I found your TikTok late one night, and you legit terrified me. I love learning from you. When I mention to people that I once lived in front of an old-time cemetery, they look at me as though I'm insane. Although I may be a bit insane, I never even thought twice about the location. 
I lived there for two years and had a handful of things happen. It always seemed to happen during spooky season. September to November, I would hear voices in the cemetery during the night, but I know for a fact it was closed. It could have been trespassers, of course, but you never know. The strangest thing I experienced was I saw a dark human silhouette that would walk along the inside of the cemetery gates. I know the cemetery had security, but I do not think they'd walk the grounds, especially on a chilled fall night. I'd assume they'd have a flashlight too. It was definitely creepy and something I'll never forget. Ooh, I'm scared. Lona, you got me with those stories. I hope you all enjoyed this creepy episode. There will be an all-new Creeptober released on Halloween. I hope you guys are ready. Remember to review, comment, and share this episode. Also, email your creepy stories to Lore at creepycheesemith4u, that's the number 4-Y-O-U, at gmail.com. And she might just read yours on another episode of Creepy Cheesemith. Be sure to follow Creepy Cheesemit on Instagram, Facebook groups, and TikTok for more short, scary stories. I hope we didn't scare you too much, mi gente. And as always, gracias por escuchar. Y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Cheesemit is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the chisme. Adios, mi gente. Thank you.